Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. So, do you want marketing made simple? Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze all your online marketing campaigns. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com income now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com income. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes with the stars and creators bringing Broadway, off-Broadway, and the theater industry back to life. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft... I'm talking to the three stars of the new play, Morning Sun. That's Blair Brown, Edie Falco, and Marin Ireland. All three are among the industry's busiest screen actors. Brown's major TV roles include The Days and Nights of Molly Dodd, Fringe, and Orange is the New Black. Four-time Emmy winner Falco has led series including Sopranos, Nurse Jackie, and the current American crime story Impeachment. And Ireland has starred in Homeland, Sneaky Pete, The Umbrella Academy, and the current Why the Last Man. But all three are also theater veterans who regularly return to stages on Broadway and off it. And the new off-Broadway play, Morning Sun, represents the rare opportunity to see them on stage together. The trio play three New York women in this new play by Simon Stevens. And all three of them, Brown, Falco, and Ireland, are in the virtual studio with me to tell us all about it. Hi, Blair, Edie, and Marin. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for You're having welcome. us. I, I wonder if we could just start by talking about what it's like to be back working on stage after the pandemic. It's been, uh, you know, so long for all of us. What's it like being back in the theater and performing in front of people again? 
Blair, well, also, I think yeah. I initially I found it, it was very odd because mm. you kind of went, how, how do we do this? Can we do this? It's a very difficult play, too. You sort of thought, maybe this wasn't a good idea. Maybe we should start with something much simpler. Mm. But now we've been doing it for, what, a month, I guess. And now it's like, oh, this is what we do. Mm. I find. I don't know what you all feel. I agree with you on that. It very quickly became, oh, that's right. This is this is doing a play. The only difference is if you can see anything out in the crowd, they all have masks on, which is sort of... I, I dare say I've gotten used to it, and I also kind of like that their reactions are a secret. <laughs> I don't oh, know who's yeah. laughing, who's smiling, who's yeah. sleeping, who's yawning. <laughs> I sort of like the mystery of all that. I do too. Their personalities are gone, and actually, yeah. in a theater the size of Manhattan Theater called the Small One, you people are so close to you, right. and you can get really thrown. There was actually a woman the other night who had a mask on that was red sequined, and I must say, I had quite a few moments of my eye just kind of, kind of <sighs> zipping off to the side to kind of go, "What is that? Oh, that's the woman yeah. with the red mask, yeah. sequined mask." I have to say, also, I feel like um, we talked about this when we started rehearsing a little bit, but there's also something about this that feels right now like it matters. Um, more than ever before, being in a room with people telling a story, and also like it couldn't matter less in a way that feels <laughs> actually really interesting and helpful kind of perspective-wise, like doing a play feels like it simultaneously holds, you know, this that, that sort of ancient, um, beautiful connection thing that we've all been craving, and also like, you know, with everything just, else going on, we're just hanging out. We're just being together. It's really okay. So all that other extra stuff that used to kind of crowd into your brain when you were doing a play in New York, mm -hmm. um, kind of has burned off a little bit. I think in a way that for me feels really, really nice. And I think, I think we've all experienced that. Just even sitting backstage, you're sort of like it doesn't have that same feeling. Like, oh, 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 oh it's the right before the show. You know, just in the in the good way. But there's some other stuff that's burned off a little bit I think perspective wise that feels really good honestly to me but as even though there's something sad about it yeah Art there. I think also remember when we first when we first got with an audience it felt like we were in this together in a way that I never feel I always feel like we do our thing I yeah. love rehearsal it's my favorite time and yeah. then the audience comes in and you know one enjoys them and you you have to have them right but it isn't like the kind of focus of what you're doing yeah but this I, actually does feel shared in a way that I've yeah never I have before. like a very strange sensation sometimes being out there like I mean I don't know if I, I don't know if I've told you guys this but as soon as I see you out there the two of you I just want to like hug you <laughs> really strongly I just want to like hold you and then uh, some nights I have that sensation with the audience too mm -hmm. uh, uh, because we're the, the the vulnerability of all of us in that space you uh, the three of us and all of them <coughs> it feels so much more intense than I remember it feeling mm -hmm. and maybe it's just you know the the fog of memory but I think it's this time everybody feels so vulnerable and we're all still in this right. traumatic moment yeah. together and I just feel like the, the way everyone is vulnerable together in that space, literally being exposed to each other mm -hmm. in a way that has a different degree of, um, uh, of, of a sort of heightened quality that, than before. I just want to like hug everybody in the room. <laughs> right. And I, that was not necessarily my sensation before. <laughs> like you said, Blair, you could have those nights yeah. where you're like, it's us against them. <laughs> yeah. It does feel, I think that it's that vulnerability of the audience too. Everyone has had all kinds of losses, whether it's time, yeah. actual people, experiences, right. what, you know, all kinds of things. 
and that we are in this in a way that it's a, it's a perfect kind of play in that way to be doing it this time, which I wasn't, I mean, it wasn't planned to be done this way. It wasn't written for the pandemic. But everyone has all kinds of private moments and you never know where you hear a sort of sound of a, a cry or a gasp or something in the audience. It's all different places because we are such individuals. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if actually we could talk a little bit for the listeners who haven't had a chance to uh, see the show yet. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, what it is and how it tells its story, because it sort of spans decades and is a full lifetime. And, uh, you know, you all there are multiple characters that uh, at least two of you play. And um, I just wonder, how do you describe it to people when uh, you tell people what you're doing? It's tricky, right, because you don't want to give too much away because mm -hmm. part of the part of the, I, I imagine part of the pleasure of the experience is, is sort of discovering it in the same way that at least that a couple of the characters discover, discover what's happening. Them, so. Yeah. Um, I, I usually. Yeah, I think there's nothing better than that to come into an audience not knowing anything. Yeah. Because yeah. this play in particular is going to be lots of different things to lots of different people. So much. And mm -hmm. It's like a Their interpretation test, yeah. afterwards <laughs> could be, you know, diametrically opposed to one another. Yeah. So it's three women in New York City yeah. is what I've been telling oh. people. Mm. And everybody kind of teases out their own meaning and their own pattern and, and what's, what's actually happening. And they're all valid. Mm. I mean, yeah. they're all as, you know, it, there was so much space for interpretation with this. Even from when I first got the script, it said like one, two, two, three, one, two, three. Like that's the characters' yeah, names. Characters names are one, Very two, hard three. to follow. There were no, you know, no real scene breaks. and Stage directions or yeah. anything. There's yeah, nothing yeah. like that on the page. And that it's interesting, Blair, when you said that before, too, because I remember, we've. I think we've also all talked about this in rehearsal where it's like, in some ways, there's nothing simpler than this play because there's no, it's so bare and sparse. There's just one, two, three, there's three women on stage. There doesn't need to be anything else. You could do this production with nothing else. And in, in some ways, there's all, 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 almost nothing more complicated and sophisticated yeah. I can imagine yes. than this play. So it's sort of, is both at one, at one time, which is kind of staggering. It has, um, it has that like Carol Churchill energy to it where it feels very accessible in the kind of humor and the the interpersonal behavior yeah. and dynamics, but it also is so kind of epic ultimately in the kind of um, scope and uh, view of the world and and all of that. Yeah, I wondered how you came up. You sort of answered one of my questions, which was how much of how the play is presented is in the script and how much of it was devised by the direct, your director, Lila Neugebauer, and the designers you're working with, and you all in rehearsal. How do you mm -hmm. think about the space that this show is performed in? Because it's a, in one sense, it's a very realistic, kind of sparsely furnished apartment, and then it's lots of other things, and it's like both more specific and more nebulous than that, right? Like how, tell me about sort of how you figured out where you are locating yourselves and who you are in this space. I, so much of it had to do with Lila, I think, mm. and the design team who were meeting long before we all got together. Mm. This play, I imagine will be done again and could certainly be done any number of different ways. And I think a lot of them probably badly because there are, ways of, of uh, interpreting this that are so different and um, 
we talked early on about just how specific should we be with where we actually are in space and should we make it more specific if we change scenes and and uh you know i luckily didn't you know give my two cents because <laughs> just sort of watching the whole thing unfold and in front of me with people who are better you know able to make those decisions but i was so uh lila in particular so um really overwhelmed with her intelligence and her perception uh, leading this group of soldiers to make this play uh, with so little guidance from the script, I thought. Um, yeah, there's nothing on the page. There's yeah. nothing. I mean, it says something in the introduction, you know, that he's written about a space defined more by light and sound than anything else. And uh, but that's it. So there's no stage directions. There's nothing. Mm. So, it, but I remember, you know, Lila also has her company, The Mad Ones, where she devises plays. And I remember feeling like she's particularly well equipped for something like this. Um, and also, just her taste level is exquisite and her intellect imagination. is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Her imagination. Also, yeah. her, her appetite for like exploration mm. and for. What she was, what she would call in rehearsal, like data gathering, you know, information <laughs> gathering, where it's like, let's try a draft, let's make mistakes, because we'll we'll learn something from it. There, I think I can say this. She did this really cool thing that I've never done, and she's never done in rehearsal before, where every time we were about to approach a new section, we would do a thing first, where she would just read the whole scene, all the parts, all the parts, and we would just move around the space. Because just we, sort we, of, we didn't have familiar, familiarity enough with the words yet. So. And also, but also, this play was terrifying to, to, yeah. Con, yeah. to apprehend as an actor moving around in space. Yeah, it was like, a you're lunar like, where would I go? I don't yeah. even know what the hell I'm doing. What or would what, I do? Like, yeah, yeah, what would I do? I mean, where are we? We don't know what's happening. So the idea of trying to be like, move somewhere with an intention felt bananas. So she was really like, I'll just read it. And you guys just sort of float around wherever and like, just see what comes up in you. And it was kind of fantastic because it, it removed that normally as an actor, when you're sort of moving through a scene for the first time, you can be like, oh, well, I'm mad at her. So I'll move here. I'll go get a cup <laughs> of get. And it, there, there isn't that same thing in this, and it really unlocks. There isn't any I of think. that same thing. There's I, none it's of not it. like exactly. where, where was I just? What was I just doing? Exactly. None of that. That's all at the window. But you're in like, that way, you're like children playing. Exactly. You have to sort of Blair. be in the moment. You're now, now you're here. Yeah. You just now you're this it, so it unlocked that thing for yeah. me, at least for sure. Of like, oh, well, this isn't going to function in my body mm. like a regular play, and. Maybe we, we also I think we all found collectively something really interesting, which is that most of the time if we found ourselves doing the same thing our characters were doing literally yeah, yeah. at the time, it yeah. felt wrong. Yeah, we it did the felt, opposite. We would we would find yeah. ourselves being like, well, then we have to do the opposite because mm -hmm. it's something. But you, you had to like we, we all had to learn this in this very wild kinesthetic way that felt exactly like you said, Blair, like kids. A playing. strange kind of friction, a very odd kind of friction that's actually harmonious, but not. A friend of mine who came who's a designer looked at it. He said, this play is so disturbing because actually just visually, and this is something I didn't know, obviously, because we're in it. It's never symmetrical. There's always there's always an angle. There's a shaft of light. There's a, a shaft of sound. There's something that always is just taking you and unsettling you, which is fascinating. And again, opens the play up then for everyone to think what they want to think. And you know, uh, Gordon, you were saying too about the the space itself. I think that we 
similarly in that space, we're finding our way in terms of like, it should be a space that feels familiar, but the three of us have never been in it before. So we had to continually find a way to feel like, how do we discover what we need and that the space has things for us if we need them. And the space sort of transforms around us and can be so many things, but isn't really any one thing. Um, I love that again, wonderful detail. Yeah. There's, a, there's a little teeny rubber ball under the bench that very few people see. It just clearly goes left by the last person who was here. There's no explanation for it. Most people don't notice it. There's That's like really a single it's just cheap little pen on a trolley that I'm sure no one sees but us. Right. Right. I yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah. And so- I would say one other yeah. thing, oh, Gordon, sorry yeah. to interrupt. No, please one other thing about Lila that I think is quite extraordinary and really uncanny is that for all her sort of, as, as Maren was saying, all her taste and her intellect and her, you know, abundance of ideas she always comes from an emotional place she just drives it as an emotional place so she talks to the designers she talks to us and creates that kind of feeling as she's describing it so that we're all there we're past our brains actually we're into yeah. a sort of visceral response and can go forward and it's uh it's extraordinary i've never really experienced it with another director this strongly and clearly i'll have more with blair edie and marin right after the break. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now here's more with Blair Brown, Edie Falco, and Marin Ireland. Did the three of you know each other before uh, before you started to work together? How did you How did you all connect on this? Through Simon Stevens, he made this play. Yeah, uh-huh. he made this yeah. play for Edie, and then we all sort of joined in. Yeah, tell, came in next. tell us a little bit yeah. about that, Edie, and how the how Eagle. that how you first got attached. Well, this is a fir- it was a first for me, where um, Lynn Meadow said that she was uh, commissioning a play by Simon Stevens for me which kind of, I mean, I didn't know how to respond to that, frankly. Um, And I knew who Simon was in regard to uh, The Curious Incident. Um, I was a huge fan of that play. I saw saw it a whole bunch of times, saw it with my kids and stuff like that. So uh, it was like one of the bigger honors that I've had, even just that sentence, almost if it didn't even come to be. But uh, Simon and I went out a bunch of times. We went out and had meals and walks and uh, coffees and stuff like that over a long period of time. This feels like, I don't know, 12 years ago at this point, which I'm sure it's not, but um, it was a, a long time ago. And there were time, I was told many times, if you don't like the script, you just say no, you don't have to do this. You know, maybe you know, somebody else will do it or whatever, or, or whatever, they'll scrap it. So it was all very amorphous. And then at some point the pandemic came in. So the, the idea that this is actually up and happening now, I'm still <laughs> not entirely sure I'm believing what I'm seeing, you know, um, but that that was how it started. Do you do you have a sense of how those conversations with him informed what the final product is? You know, I've asked him a couple oh. of times and he said he doesn't remember because <laughs> he took notes. And but he said a lot of this is is based on the life of his sister 
and uh, two friends of his to whom he dedicates the play, who I believe had gotten ill at some point in the last number of years. So he's got lots of details yeah, they, from lots of yeah. different mm. places in his but, brain. I live in the West Village, and that mm. was, yes, that's right. And the hand, he asked me to make a handprint on a map of the West Village, like this. And he followed my, my the line that my fingers made he did to like see a where, walking tour. The walking tour of the West Village based on my handprint. Like Edie's handprint. <laughs> just as like a I think I I mean my guess is just like as like an exercise because yeah, he for the heck he, of it. and he would like just stop at places along the handprint line hmm. and record there's actually one moment in a noodle shop in our play that there were some lines in that moment that he copied, he wrote down, there was a mother and a daughter talking in this noodle shop. He sat down. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, That's from, so cool. From that trip. Yeah. So oh it would just gosh. be, it was almost more like just an exercise. Like he was walking that road and then he would just stop somewhere and write down some things or think about some stuff or take some notes or whatever. And um, little things like that that have made their way in. And he also did the Greenwich Village ghost tour, which makes an appearance <laughs> in our play, which I, I'm sure will be selling out now with the, <laughs> the, 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 the press that it's getting. But um, things like that, like, but I, I know it feels to me, only having met you, Edie, through this play, it feels like infused with you in mm. that way that somebody like Simon can just sort of make happen mm -hmm. yeah. in a magical way. It was yeah, uh, disarming <laughs> for mm. me. I mean, the f as far as I'm concerned, the further I, uh, away I am from the character, the more fully I can inhabit it. It really is just like you are just diving into your imagination, you know, based on mm -hmm. someone else's, I don't know, vocal rhythms or where they're from or, you know. So this was a, a bit stultifying for me. Um, you know, every place that's made reference to are places I pass every day of my life. So uh, I've had to, in my mind, uh, you know, create some distance from a lot of these places and that I am in most ways very unlike this character, but it took it took some rejiggering of me, you know, working on the script to create a distance that I was comfortable with. Mm. I remember when we were first talking about wigs, you really wanted a wig because you wanted yeah, to look right. in the mirror and not see yourself. Mm. Yeah, I wanted to have a, anything to separate this character from my real life, you know. And so, uh, Blair and Marin, how do you think about how, how did you, what attracted you to uh, to this play and how do you think about the parts you're playing? Because as you say, you're numbers and uh, you are in some ways even less specific than the role that Edie's playing. Like, what? I've always wanted to play two. Yeah. Two has been <laughs> a sort of lifelong goal. So Bucket list. Yeah, bucket list. <laughs> Done. I'm aspiring to play a two one yeah. day. Right. Um, one day. <laughs> one day. Don't give up hope. Thanks, Edie. That's right. <laughs> Well, Marin, you joined in next. You've yeah, in well, next. I've known Simon forever. I did this, uh, uh, the U.S. tour of 448 Psychosis, which was, uh, which was um, from the Royal oh. Court in 2005, I yeah. think. And yeah. Simon was invited along on that tour as one of the Royal Court's playwrights for a few weeks. Hmm. So he toured with us for a little while. Um, uh, in like some rockin' towns like Columbus, Ohio, and stuff like that. Ooh. And um, <laughs> we, so we got to know each other, and I actually, this is a really wild connection with Blair, is that while we were doing that tour, me and uh, the other actors in 448 
participated in like the first ever reading of his play on the shore of the wide world which Blair ended up then doing the production of at the Atlantic many years <laughs> later um, but uh, so it's been many years and every time he'd come to the city we would spend time together and I would see his shows and all of that and so he invited me to the first couple of little tiny readings when the play was just being born where he was like I'm in town for something else you come here, it's not even finished, but maybe we can just go in a room with you and me and Edie Falco. And I was like, okay, sign me up. <laughs> my hero, my actual hero of my entire life. Oh, it's so embarrassing <laughs> to, to tell her this. I'm getting more and more used to it every time I tell her, but I'm like, you know, my, my hero. So I, um, yeah, so it was Simon, but also then, so I, I couldn't say no to si anything Simon asked, but then especially the fact that it was a hero. Edie. And then somewhere along the way, we tricked Blair into doing yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. No, I just got a can yeah. I got a call to sort of saying there's a play. Simon Stevens wrote it. Uh, Lila, I've worked with Lila and Simon both. Edie Falco, Marin Islander, Marin I know from from reading Edie. I just know, and uh, I just said yes. I sight unseen. It was like I don't care what the play. Is. Gotcha. <laughs> I'll just be there. And as I say, and then little did I know that two was waiting for me. Right. All the time. Oh. No, I have to say I've been really freaked out uh, by playing three in the first chunk of the play, especially. Um, Partially because uh, I don't want to give too much away of anything, but I sort of start the play more sure of things than the other two. And um, one of the things that's really helpful as an actor is when you're, especially in, in a play, is when you get to use your natural adrenaline rush to start the play somehow and fold it in. Because <laughs> it's real scary when a play starts. And so I do, it's been very tricky to know how to um, begin and again, I don't want to say you know anything that I, I like to allow everybody to have the, the full you know experience of walking into the theater and experiencing it brand new. But part of it is Lila and I decided to ha I kind of come out and greet everybody in a way. And I sort of just feel like I mean something we talked about in relation even to doing the play in this in this current climate we're in is being like I mean in. In reality, I am always just me out there, even when I'm other people. And there's a different sense of that now in terms of doing plays. Lyle and I talked about starting the play and it felt like, well, I kind of, my character sort of, my, my number three knows what's going on a little bit more and it feels a little silly to try to be like, blackout, lights up, you know? <laughs> like, so it is that weird thing, it, it, like, it's so, it sounds a bit creepy, but I feel like we're all we're all people breathing in a room. Yeah. You know, there, some people are sitting in the chairs in the dark, and some people are up here. Yeah. But, and I've never felt that in, on stage yeah. before. That there is just that sort of, we could just be that. They could come. I mean, it just yeah. could happen. No, there are times uh, when I've, I don't want to say stopped the show. It sounds very dramatic, but where I've um, <laughs> stopped the dialogue to ask people in the audience to address their phones or their hearing aid problems yeah. or whatever. And I've, and I've never, because it feels like my person could do that. Right. And also we're all just in this space together. So it feels like if we don't, if we don't address it, given the play that we're doing, 
what, yeah. what, what what's this, what is, what is this? Yeah. what's this illusion we all know we're here we're all hearing that noise <laughs> you know what i mean let's just make this a better experience for all of us and sharing it together which is an experience i've never had before it's the other day when you did it at the matinee it was beautiful marin said so you know help your neighbor and it was like wow <laughs> the idea that the person sitting next to you is sort of your neighbor and can't figure out this device and you could help them <laughs> it didn't happen but it was a really yeah. nice sense of it. It i think really i heard nice. that that i think i heard that there was a phone that kept going off during yeah. one of your shows yeah, yeah. Yeah. And people yeah. are giving yeah. it's not that. a thumbs up. It's like, yeah. yeah. Dude, it's yeah. Well, because it, it went on for long enough. audience hostility of people hissing, going, turn off your phone. It, was, it, it wasn't. It was just like, Well, because I, I think I did realize it had been going on for so long. I did have the thought that that is a person who doesn't know how to do to turn it yeah. off. They right. would. I think they probably would if they could. But that, or I don't can't think they know hear how to it do it. Or they can't hear or it. Exactly. Hear. So that's why I thought, you know, they might not turn it off after this. But if I say it in a nice enough way, the audience will will be able to watch it and hear that sound for the rest of the play with a little more of a relaxed sensation. Yeah, we yeah. Yeah. We've all at least acknowledged it. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. we've all acknowledged it. We can move on together. And then they won't have to proceed to the end of the play going like, ugh, that noise. Yeah. <laughs> I bet that worked. I bet that worked. I think it did. I yeah. felt like the room felt so. a lot warmer yeah. afterwards. We were all just friends hanging and out. And I think we've also gotten used to the idea of this has happened a couple of times and it's not a shock to the actors certainly, and we dive right back in as if it didn't happen. And if we commit to moving on, the they audience would, seems yeah. like they're with us yeah, immediately. For sure. Yeah. And so now I feel like disruptive. I know that you guys know if I'm gonna do it, That's that right. you're like, Okay, I look forward she's... to it, actually. I look forward to it. Like, <laughs> I, don't wanna, the show I don't want to like bait any bait anybody. Be like, oh, now people are gonna like leave their phones on. It seems <laughs> like, right. and I'll get a special that would be thing. Great. <laughs> oh my gosh, can you imagine? <laughs> Ridiculous. One of the things that struck me watching watching the show is that I had just seen uh, the Lehman trilogy, uh, you know, oh, yeah. a, a couple weeks earlier. And I wonder if anyone has said this to you before, but it feels like this play is sort of in conversation with that play in yes, that it is yeah. that play is also sort of three actors in a specific space that becomes a lot of other places. And it's telling a story that sort of spans decades. But Lehman trilogy is about these three men and the kind of company that kind of that they form that kind of shakes the world and the foundation. And this is about three women and there's something very uh, uh, um, purposeful in the kind of ordinariness of the tale, right? And yes. of the the people we are yes. talking about in this show. I wonder, how do you respond? How do you think about kind of how, what the show is and what the drive to tell this particular story in its kind of, you know, unremarkable remarkableness, uh, what that what is that drive and how do you think about it in the show? I think there are more ordinary people than there are extraordinary people in the world. And uh, I think everybody deserves to be represented in storytelling. You know, um, I feel the same way with film and television. And I think we might even be moving towards that very slowly. Um, but I have always personally found that to be more interesting to, to, uh, to tell stories about regular people for whatever reason, maybe just because my, you know, all of our lives perhaps have been overwhelmed with stories of, you know, famous people and fabulous people I mean, and beautiful people. You're playing and, you Hillary know. Clinton right now in a TV then show that's airing that, right now, that, right? Yeah. That, that woman that no one's ever heard right. of. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So there's something about the totally remarkableness of getting through a life as a human that uh, I find so deeply moving. Um, and it's this hits all of that for me. <laughs> What's that? It's a huge achievement getting yeah. to life. Totally 
it feels Can, like absolutely uh, that's the thing i i i really feel about this experience like and especially now and generally when we've all had this the... collective trauma yeah. and now we're kind of like okay getting our feet on the ground and just getting up right. in the morning getting through the day presents its own challenges as we kind of right. reconnoiter you know Blair, did you have Blair, something you were, to add? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I was just thinking, because part of the problem always when, when you are playing famous people or we see famous people being portrayed, it's actually trying to get to the ordinariness of them, mm. in fact. I right. mean, we know the other stuff, but it's, it's that, and so that's how what, are they what, like we, you and what me. we don't get. Yeah. And reminding us to like that somebody isn't only worth listening to or learning from if they've if they were the first person to do this or they made this giant thing or whatever but right. there's something about this play that's also about like listening to each other and that it's not just about listening to the most notable people or whatever but listening to sort of everyone around you and everyone that's already mm -hmm. kind of in your life and that the the things we all learn from each other making it through a day are are profound mm -hmm. uh, the Lehman Thing has been brought up already to us a few times yeah. by people. It is so interesting to me. I also know Simon and Ben Power are buddies mm -hmm. and um, friends, so it's an interesting uh, kind of um, group mind thing at work, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. There was something in the air mm -hmm. in Britain, <laughs> <laughs> something in the water. Um, uh, but it is it is fascinating, I think, that there is something for whatever reason in the way kind of art kind of moves through spaces and times where it's like this sort of focus on um, a kind of muscular, robust, like Im imagination ask of the audience yeah. mm. uh, feels like something about that feels like there's there's a connection there in terms of the moment that we're in and, and, all, and coming out of like a really intense Marvel movie moment time right. of like ask, being like, well, if you're gonna be in the theater, Let's be in the theater, you know. Right. Let's 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 do what we can only do here in the theater. Let's this can this is just this can only be a play, you know. And there's something. I think there too, coming out of the pandemic, there's a sense of yes, you don't really know who that person is that's standing right behind you in line. You have no idea what they have accomplished or done, and and that I think we're all more aware of, of that. I hope and I hope that stays. Mm. Of, you know, just being kinder to people and just taking them in, just a moment of regard, and then move on because New York we're all so smashed together all the time. But there's a tenderness that I, it's worth maintaining and cultivating, I think, mm. from, that's come out of the pandemic. And that's what this play does, I think. One of the things that I think is notable about all three of you and the way you work across all genres, you all do lots of work on screen and film and television, but all three of you are regular theater actors. You never go very, you're never away very long from the stage. Um, and I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about why, what keeps bringing you back? What is the thing that, uh, that really gets you, gets you back in front of people on a stage? It's just a bad habit, really. Just a bad I mean, you're about to be habit. in another play after this one, right? I, uh, so. I'm glutton for play. Yeah. <laughs> it's where um, I started, you know, my, my mom was an actress when I was growing up. She did community theater, and I just used to go with her and watch rehearsals and watch performances, and I was obsessed. I would go with her every time she went, everywhere she went. And it was the most, you know, I wish it was another word, but it was magical that these people yeah. who had real jobs during the day at night 
they all got together and read a script and put on costumes and did the show and you know put on their makeup it was just I couldn't believe what I was watching and so uh, that's kind of where I started and you know you become you know successful in this industry depending on what one's uh, definition of that word is and the magic can disappear uh, you're so that's far true. from yeah. the nucleus of the idea that started in somebody's yeah. brain there's so many people between that and you that it be, really can become like a job but theater is never like that you know you just we're all it feels so much closer to the the ridiculous magic that I knew as a yeah. kid that I can't believe adults are allowed to do, <laughs> to do. you know well it's that invention of story in a, in a, in a room with some people that just seems incredibly precious I mean I remember yeah. once working on a big television series that I was happy to be working on and I thought but I do feel I'm working like on an aircraft carrier or something that's right that's you know right. and it, there's no sense because there's just not possible that kind of movement is not possible there are just no. too many people waiting to yeah it's to rare time. to have the essence always. It's, and it's rare to be in conversation in those jobs right I mean sometimes you're lucky enough but sometimes yeah. you're it's rare to even be to be in conversation with the the people who are writing it or right. and then you know it really gets kind of written in the edit ultimately right. which yeah. is a room that you're never invited into or rarely perhaps and so to be returning to a place where every day in the room we're all, I mean, at least especially in the rehearsal process, yeah. we're all in there together all day. It's a really, um, it kind of returns you to, to that kind of um, really rigorous, like, I think of that word again, like muscular, like athleticism, where you have mm -hmm. to really kind of invest in the entire story you're making and not just, okay, what are these four pages I do today? Right. I don't even have to have read the next 20 potentially ever to know what the hell I'm doing today. And there's right. like, there's, there's a sort of um, simplicity to it. And, and it, it, it feels like it's uh, the, heart of the, the heart of the whole matter. Well, it's really. how it once started. I mean, once people piled in a wagon, hauled yourselves off to a county fair, you hopped out, you did that. I mean, there were no sets. There was no, I mean, it was just people kind of going, okay, let's come on kids, come on kids, let's make a show. And it's still, I think, sort of a hard nut inside you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's ultimately the thing I think we probably all would say is, like, we keep coming back if, like, a good thing comes to us. Yes. So when a good play comes around, you know it's going to be so hard and it's going to, like, ruin your play you. <laughs> whole, it's going your, to play your you. life and right. play you. Right. You can't say no when a good thing comes along. Yeah. It's just too it's tempting. Because it's not often enough. Mm. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. just so much content these mm -hmm. days and yeah. something comes along that makes your heart beat a little faster and I, you know, you dive head first into the experience, I find. Yeah. yeah. And the ones that are most yeah. exciting, the ones like this one that we do where we think, I have no idea what this is. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. Is this funny? Is this sad? Will this work? Who knows? Yeah, I don't know if at this point any of us are like, um, oh, you know, it's been a little while. I'm, I'm going to look for a play. Yeah, you know, nah. I think it's, yeah, I it's think like so. you're lucky so. enough something comes to you and you go, oh, my God, can oh, I God. do this? Right. Oh, God. That's right. Exactly. Um, but you can't not. You, you can't not. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And for uh, our last question, I wonder if uh, each of you can tell us a little bit about what you have not yet had the chance to do on stage that you would like to do, whether it's a particular role or a kind of role or a kind of piece. What, what, what's on the, on the list of things that you uh, are aiming to do on stage coming up? I like working on new plays. Hmm? 
new plays with new writers that are just kind of discovering their voice or maybe have had a few things produced. But I'm, I'm kind of, I mean, Simon's prolific, but I'm kind of in it right now. This play's never been done. I am not, you know, recreating a role uh, originally played by Kathy Bates, which was uh, a thing I was doing for <laughs> 45 years. Um, and because there's no way people aren't going to compare it, compare the production, compare the uh, the performance and all that. Discovering it the way we have discovered this play, I could do this kind of stuff forever, mm. you know, if the pay was better. <clears throat> but um, <laughs> But this is the kind of stuff I love. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. The other thing is that I also love um, some of these kind of young young productions, directors, actors that are taking on Shakespeare, but doing kind of really new versions, edited versions, um, you know, s switching out all kinds of things, just kind of making it, uh, ugh, waking it up, shaking it up. Um, I would love to do some more of that. I do it sort of once a week. Well, I don't right now, but once a week all through the pandemic, a bunch of us had a sort of gathering once oh. a week where we would work on things like that. And I thought, oh, I wonder if any of this will ever see the light of day. I would love, it would just be, we've Zoomed it for the last year and a half together <laughs> once a week. Um, but it's, it feels like a new play. That's what I would say. Mm. That the, something like that could feel like a new play. Yeah, I think uh, I, there's, there's definitely some of the, the oldies but goodies that I've, never gotten to do but i also can never give up the addiction to new plays so i think the solution is to do like simon has um his adaptation he has adaptations of chekhov and ibsen and i think that's probably the solution is to do simon's <laughs> of, of those things he has some he has some chekhov and some ibsen that uh that i think that the three of us should get to do could to have a crack at i would agree um, i love that idea but uh but yeah, I, it's funny. I think I, I, I just I feel very like um, I, re, re, like related to the two of you now. And I so I always feel like I'm like what I'm about to say about myself, I think is probably also true for you guys, too, which is like I get asked that question. I think we all we get asked that a kind of question like what haven't you done that you want to do? And I sometimes wish I was the kind of actor that was like, I want to play Medea or whatever, so yeah. that someone would like call me up with that. But I think what's amazing about why I have always admired Blair and Edie so deeply is that I see in them that quality that's like, you're just sort of looking for the thing you've never done before. And you don't well, know exactly what that it. is. Yes, There's exactly. not a particular yep. one thing. It's just like, I hope someone right. surprises me with an idea yeah, that I've exactly never even, right. like the, the thing you want to do is the thing you've never before even conceived right. of. Right. That's the most exciting thing is being like, I never thought of doing that. Mm -hmm. right. That's the cool, scary exactly. thing because you're looking for the scariest thing. Mm. So if it's something that you're like, oh, there's that thing I've always had on my list, then in some way yeah. you've already thought about it and yeah. it's less scary than right. the things where you're like, how do I play number three? Yeah. You know, like, so what do I wear? Yeah, I and I remember when you were a kid, when I was a kid, being like, you have your like bucket list roles, and then realizing as I got older, like, oh, in a way, those are almost like templates of uh. the kind of things I wanted to do. You know, um, they aren't necessarily like the thing that I need to do to cross off right. the list. But I can think, oh, in a way, I kind of played that part when I got to do that. I got because right. what I wanted to exercise was this thing or whatever. Right. Um, 
but it's kind of it's funny I think the thing that's the most exciting to us is something we could never have imagined yes. and that somebody else could that's dream right. up but that's that right. has the three of us in it that's the only requirement that's my next requirement like for every anything with the three of us can well, be it's in. worth the challenge <laughs> it's right. worth the challenge anything the three of us can be in pretty much I think we'll do I'm we'll just do. putting it out there I'm totally <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing you in the next new thing that we can't conceive of yet like because it's yeah. too we're a new rep company. Yeah. Um, we've just started, and we're pretty yeah. um, compact. Yeah, <laughs> we can we can play Easy anything, guys, girls, whatever you want. Yeah, clearly, we can do it all. Yeah. We can do it all. Excellent. Uh, well, thank, thank you, you all three of you. Thanks so much for your time. It was <laughs> great to talk you. to you. Great to talk to you. Great to talk to you too. Thank you. That was Blair Brown, Edie Falco, and Marin Ireland from Morning Sun now playing at Manhattan Theatre Club's City Center Stage 1. Falco can currently be seen in FX's American Crime Story Impeachment, and Ireland appears on Hulu's Why the Last Man. You can catch Brown next on stage in The Minutes this spring. If you like what you're hearing on this and other episodes of Stagecraft, I'd really appreciate it if you took the time to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us grow our audience of folks who love theater as much as you and I do. Or tell a friend about Stagecraft, or give us a shout-out on social media. Find past episodes or subscribe on all the pod places, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on the Broadway Podcast Network, which is a great place to find more theater for your ears. I'll be back in two weeks with another new episode. Until then, find me on Twitter at GCoxVariety. Thanks for listening, and see you soon. wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.